Well, hey, um, thank you. Uh, thank you again to our praise band. I just want to welcome everybody here. You are, uh, once again, you are at Christian Campus Fellowship's Dinner and a Message, and uh, I am glad you're here, whether you are uh, in the room, uh, live and in person, or you're checking us out on the live stream, listening to the podcast, whatever the case may be, uh, and just want to welcome you, uh, hopefully not for the first time, hopefully again, I'm, I'm assuming by now you have been welcomed uh, multiple times. Uh, my name is Donnie Holiday. I am one of your staff members. My picture's back there on the, on the wall with some things about me, so um, yeah. Oh, I've been excited for this one, like since before they even, we even started the theme. So here we go. We're in our same thing that we've been having uh, all year, uh, Kingdom of Heaven, where heaven and earth meet. Heaven is often regarded as this uh, thing that is way off, both in time and space. Uh, but if you, if you read the Bible, it's, it, that's just not all there is to it. Uh, there are plenty of times uh, the Bible talks about uh, heaven and earth meeting and God being with his people. That's actually God's vision. I, and I'm becoming more and more convinced that that's the whole point of Scripture. That's the whole point of the Bible is for us to see God's vision and for us to see his promises to us. Like you see his vision at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, and then you see it at the end of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, and then in the middle are all these promises that things are going to be good, even though in Genesis 3 we mess things up. Um, yeah, it didn't take long. Um, <laughs> but this, uh, this tent-like structure over here, something called a tabernacle in the first part of the Bible, uh, what I like to call the Hebrew Scriptures because it's written primarily in Hebrew, um, that was the place where God's presence was said to dwell until they got the uh, permanent temple, and that was the place where God's presence was said to dwell. And if that was a place on earth, that would make both of those places places where heaven and earth meet, so the kingdom of heaven. Uh, then we get to the, the second part of the Bible, the Greek scriptures, and Jesus shows up on the scene, and he claims to be the place where heaven and earth meet. And in some of his very first public words, uh, he says, uh, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Uh, some translations say that it's at hand, or it's come near, or it's here. I really like has arrived. Uh, but one thing that's really cool about that phrase, has arrived, uh, the original Greek language that the, the second part of the Bible was written in, that word that's translated has arrived there literally means to join one thing to another, like heaven and earth. Look at that. So um, Matthew, that's Matthew 4.17, that's our theme verse. So we're going through Matthew this year. Matthew is the longest of the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth. Maybe you've heard them called the Gospels. That's a fancy word that means good news. Basically, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four uh, books of the, of the Greek uh, scriptures, um, they're biographies of Jesus, okay? They're the story of his time on earth. Matthew is the longest one, uh, so we did not try to go from like chapter 1, verse 1 to the end of chapter 28. Instead, we split it up into three series. Uh, and if you weren't here for any of these and want to check us out, we've got a podcast. We've got a YouTube channel. You can see where we talked about the parables, where Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like certain things. You can look at some of the interactions uh, that he had with people. Um, I would highly encourage you to watch last week's. Uh, Sam Cargill, our worship uh, minister, shared his story. And if, um, what'd I say? what I say? Worship? Yeah. Didn't somebody say that last week or something? Brandon, Brandon called in the worship. That's funny. Yeah, the worship minister called him that. Wow. Wow. Okay. Man. Okay. Anyway, Sam. Anyway. Good. Y'all are participating. That's the plan for tonight. Um, <laughs> um, but Sam tells his story, and um, 
Anxiety is a big part uh, of Sam's story. So if you deal with that, you're going to want to watch that for sure. But now we're in the preaching series. And I'm so excited because we are going to look at some of Jesus' longer, whether you want to call them messages, sermons, talks, um, discourses, monologues, whatever you want to call them. We're going to look at those. Uh, And they're awesome. And we're going to spend a good bit of that time in something called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. If somebody told me I could only have three chapters of the Bible, those are the three I would pick because that shows us God's vision for creation, His promises that He makes to His creation, and oh yeah, Jesus' vision for the kingdom of heaven all at the same time. It is spectacular. And I just want to remind you, textbook chapters are way longer than Bible chapters. You can read the, kingdom, you can read the, the Sermon on the Mount in 10 minutes, no problem. I'd suggest taking like 20 minutes to read it and read it nice and slow because there's a lot going on there. So anyway, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do this thing. So uh, do what you do when you pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for today. Thank you for each person here. God, I ask that you would just speak for me now and hear for each of us. Um, Make this what you know it needs to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this part of talks, the part right after I do that opening prayer, is oftentimes some of the most stressful parts because I got you got to have a good opening. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, I gotta get y'all engaged and involved. Otherwise, you're like, hmm, on the phones. So trying to keep that uh, from happening, gotta grab your attention. And I think musicians know about this, TV and film producers know about this, authors know about this. You gotta get your audience. Like that's why when they came, when the first Scream movie came out, and they were like starring Nev Campbell and Drew Barrymore. You know how they got you? Drew Barrymore was dead in five minutes. That's how you get somebody. You say it, so if you haven't seen it, the movie's older than you, so you should have seen it by now. It's not a spoiler, I'm sorry. But, the, I mean, or, for example, if you're about my age, there's this, there's this musical group called Guns N' Roses. Yeah. EY? Okay, I figured EY would be good. At it. You know Sweet Child of Mine immediately. Uh-huh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Or uh, a little bit, little bit more chill, Tracy Chapman's Fast Car, those guitar chords start. You know that song immediately. Let me ask this question. Raise your hand if you've ever read the book, A Tale of Two Cities. Okay? Raise your hand if you know how it starts. The best of times was the worst of times. What? Yeah, now I want to read it because I'm very confused. So, but that, so, so how we start is important. And I'm sure you're thinking about your own favorite song, and, and it's that first, you know, the intro from the guitar or how the drums start or the first lyric or whatever. You're thinking about that. How... How we start things matters. And Jesus knew that when it came to what is, in my opinion, without question, the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. I actually had, way back last millennium when I was in undergrad, um, I had a speech class and the speech textbook, which is hilarious to me that you have a speech textbook. That's just like, really? But anyway, but at the back of it, it had the top 10 speeches of all time. It did not have them ranked 1 to 10, but it said these are the top 10. I only remember two of them. Dr. King's I Have a Dream dream Speech and the Sermon on the Mount. And it was fascinating because the the, the author of it was like, look, it doesn't matter what you think about religion or Jesus or Christianity or whatever. It's got an amazing start. The end brings it all together, and every bit of it is connected and flows. I mean, y'all, it is a fascinating and amazing piece of just literature, all the really cool stuff that Jesus says um, aside. It's, it's It's just awesome. So he starts it with something called the Beatitudes. Um, And 
I think he did that because he knew he needed to get his audience's attention. So I'm going to read the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Uh, flip there, scroll there, or look up there, whichever one you want to do. I am going to read through them kind of quickly because I want them to, to be up there and y'all see them, but you're going to hear them again tonight in a much better way than me reading them, but I do want to get read them so that I can start off asking a couple questions before we really dive in. So here we go. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, if you've ever heard sermons, messages, podcasts, whatever, about those 12 verses... What, and we're going to get to details of verses in just a second, but what have you heard kind of like big picture, like of those things as a whole? What are some things you've heard? What are some things you've understood, you believe? Go. You don't have to be right. Just what you think. Okay. Okay. Kind of like the, uh, you should do this and that. Like, you should. You should do this. Oh, you should be, okay, you should be these things, okay. A description of who in my own neighborhood does Okay. If you've heard that at your age, you're way ahead of me, so that's good. <laughs> because I've always understood it up until... Honestly, just the last couple of months, maybe even weeks, as Jesus telling his audience, these are traits you should have, and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is how you get those traits, okay? This is who you should be, and this is how you get this. So he's talking to this crowd, and he's like, y'all need to be like this, and here's how you do it. That interpretation is at best woefully incomplete, and at worst, completely wrong. Because it makes it sound like Jesus is like, you, you there, you should be pure in heart. You there, you should be poor in spirit. You should mourn. And if what the Bible says is true, and I believe it is, that can't be right. Because Jesus knows his audience. Now, we don't, just if you start reading Matthew 5, because it says the crowds. Well, who's in the crowds? Well, this is one of those places where the chapter breakups are really messed up. Because if you go back just two verses, you read this at the end of Matthew 4. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. And do you think every time people were added to that crowd, it was some of the people who 
had these various diseases and pains and were oppressed by demons and having seizures and paralytics. Yeah. Jesus isn't telling them to mourn. He's not telling them to be poor in spirit. He's not telling them to be those things because they already are. Okay? They already are. So why in the world? Would Jesus start it this way? And this is where we're going we're gonna to watch a video here in just a second of how The Chosen puts this. If you're not familiar with The Chosen, The Chosen is an amazing uh, production of Jesus. It, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's basically a, another gospel presentation. Here's how they look at Jesus' um, time on earth. And it is amazing. It is fascinating. It is in, chapter, it is in season four right now. It's a, seasons one through three are on like Netflix and Amazon Prime, and they've got their own app. It's so good. It's 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 so so good. Um, what they do with this, I want to I want to unpack this a little bit in case you haven't seen it. They have Matthew basically every now and then Matthew and Jesus like going off and working on this sermon, but Jesus is stuck on the beginning, which people have lost their minds about. Jesus wasn't stuck on the sermon. He never it's like, Come down. It's, it's just their take. Who, who knows? But anyway, but what we're going to watch is a scene where he figures out how he wants to start it. And you're going to be able to identify with Matthew at the very beginning because he's asleep. And, 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 and uh, Jesus comes and wakes him up. And now as Jesus is going through the Beatitudes, they cut to some scenes from earlier in The Chosen about some of the disciples. And if you haven't seen it, you're going to be like, why did they show that person there? And, and if you have seen it, you remember why. It's like, wow. But if you haven't seen it, you're not missing anything for what we're talking about tonight, okay? What I really want you to focus on, um, especially if you, if, whether you've seen it or not, is what Jesus says to Matthew before he starts with the Beatitudes and then once he's done going through it, okay? That's really going to play into what we're talking about um, tonight. It's about four minutes, but it is worth every second. So give this a look. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. 
shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, revive you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. Yes. someone wants to find me. Those are the groups they should look for. And then? You are the salt of the earth. All right, what about the map idea? What about this map idea that directions to find me, if you want to find me, these are the groups you should look for? What do you think about that? I'd never heard it until I saw that, and I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I think makes the Beatitudes and hopefully what we're going to talk about tonight useful as we we see where to find Jesus and specifically with regard to the kingdom, what I what I hope will make tonight helpful is that we're going to see the when, the where, and the to whom the kingdom of heaven is available. The when and the where are covered in our theme verse. It, it has a right. It's here and it's now. But the to whom, you know, the, those, those groups that Ashton was talking about, how it's flipped, you know, as, as, as Andrew was saying, yeah, it, the to whom is just, is just really different. Now, if you were a first century Jewish person, which is who Jesus was hanging out with for the most part, who do you think the kingdom of heaven was for? All Jewish people? 
okay, righteous Jewish people. What else? About, let's narrow it down even more because they definitely did. Wealthy. Wealthy, righteous Jewish people. What would you say, Ash? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so, so, so Jewish folks who are wealthy and who are devout, pious, is that good? Okay, all right. Yeah, so the, the religious leaders who are devout, okay. Let me, ask you, let me ask something. Remember the crowd that Jesus is talking to, right? They are, um, let's see, where'd it go? They're afflicted with various diseases and pains. They're oppressed by demons. They're having seizures. They're paralytics. They need healing. Did you get into the kingdom of heaven if you needed healing? Okay, so you're healthy, you're wealthy, you're pious, you're Jewish. And there's one more thing that pretty much most people believe the kingdom of heaven was for you. Now we go, that, That's the pious thing. Male. There it is. If, you, if the kingdom of heaven was for you, if you are a healthy, wealthy, pious Jewish man, okay? And Jesus flips every bit of that on his head when he looks at this group of people who doesn't seem like they're healthy, they're definitely not wealthy, The most of them are Jewish, they've probably been told they're not devout enough. And there are men, but there are also women. And the first thing he says is, blessed. And they're like, well, we've heard this before. He's going to say, blessed are the people that know the law. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And they all go, uh-huh. And then he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and he's got them in the palm of his hand. Because their thought is, he's talking about me. And then the more they listen, they realize, nope, he's talking to me. See, the good news of God's kingdom has come to the least likely people. And to be clear, their hope is not in their condition. Their hope is in the fact that the kingdom of heaven is available to them. That's why it's such a great opening. These people are out on the, in the countryside because they probably weren't allowed in the temple. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is for them. To be clear, the Beatitudes is not a list of how-tos or a new virtue list. It's Jesus' vision for the kingdom of heaven. It's the where and the when and the to whom the kingdom of heaven is available for. This is His vision. For the kingdom of heaven. Again, scripture is all about vision and promises. And look at the promises that Jesus makes in the, in, in the Beatitudes. This next slide is going to be just like the second part. For their, you know, for, yeah. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, for they shall be comforted. For they shall inherit the earth. For they shall be satisfied. For they shall receive mercy. For they shall see God. For they shall be called sons of God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And for your reward is great in heaven. What do you notice? About those, those promises. What do you notice when you look at those? They're in the 
them? Okay, but the ones that are about heaven are in the present tense. Okay? And yes, this is... i got to stand up because I'm excited now. Okay, so here's what's going on. we got a heaven sandwich here. Okay? we got... Is... It's a double-decker sandwich, but they put bread down on the bottom part. I don't know why they didn't put it in the middle. But anyway, so we got... Is the kingdom of heaven. There's is the kingdom of heaven. Your reward is great in heaven. The, the chosen, I enjoy the chosen, but the chosen messed that part up because they had Jesus saying for great your will be your reward in heaven. Mm-mm. There's is the kingdom of heaven. There is the kingdom of heaven. And then all of these other things are future tense. So the heaven reward is a present reward, not just a future thing. The present ones being at the beginning and the end set the tone for all the other ones. Because here's the thing. That doesn't mean you shall be comforted when you die. Because if it just means that, why in the world would it say yours is the kingdom of heaven? Okay? Now, will it be remarkably comforting for me one day when I, when, when I breathe my last breath and I, and I see my mom again? Yeah, that'll be really cool. Okay? But that comfort part has already started. Okay? Will we be completely satisfied when we are with, with Jesus after we breathe our last breath? Absolutely. Does that mean we can't be satisfied now? You know, you got a belly full of mashed potatoes. You're probably pretty satisfied right now. Incidentally, that word satisfied literally means that. It means to be like stuffed. It's, it talks about what they did when they fattened up calves and, and oxen for a feast. So, yeah, it's like, mm, yummy. Give me the mashed potatoes. Uh, so Jesus says if you want to see the kingdom, you look for, for those people. And those are the promises given to those people. Here's the fascinating part about this. The meek, the, the, the peacemakers, the persecuted folks, all those folks. Those are the folks we try not to see. And Jesus says, if you see them, you see the kingdom. Jesus tells us to look for the people that oftentimes we try to ignore. So yeah, the, the, the point of the upside-down kingdom and turning things on its head, absolutely. But don't, don't miss for a second that these promises, you don't have to wait till you die to get them. Yes, heaven's this great future, future hope, but if it's not also a present reality, I mean, what good is good news that's only for when you die? And Jesus' good news is anything but. So let's get into some specifics here. Three most popular ones y'all talked about. It was, it was close. Uh, it, it was close, but there were, there were three that, that kind of jumped out a little bit. And by the way, and in case you're brand new and don't know me and wonder if I'm just saying what I'm about to say, I'm not. If we don't get to yours and you want to talk about it, I will be in the green office once the program is over and I will stay there until the sun comes up if y'all want to talk about the Beatitudes. I am not kidding. I'll, it'll take some coffee, but I'll do it. Okay, because I love talking scripture with y'all. Okay. Um, by the way, thanks so much for doing this. Um, like, I think it had 52 responses, so cool. Um, and almost half of y'all included... Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 25 of the 52 of y'all chose that one. Why? Go. Why'd y'all want to talk about that one? 
Okay, cool. All right, fair. It's like, yeah, that, 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 yeah, me too. Has anybody heard definitions or synonyms for meek before? Humble. Okay. Quiet. Okay. Small. Mm. Gentle. Ooh, malnourished. I like that. Reserved. What do you say, Andrew? Shy. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I saw one just today on a uh, Bible Project podcast that included unimportant. Was, I know, right? I was like, oh, shoot. I'm kind of scared they only went through the first Beatitudes. I'm like, man, I got to wait two more weeks for them to finish the other six. What if I realize, dang, I taught something wrong. I have to go back and you may get an addendum in two weeks. Um, okay. Uh, gentle, humble, yeah, unimportant. Um, okay, so that, that's what meek means. Can, I mean, you see how that's flipping things on, the, on its head? Because all of a sudden it's like, well, I mean, might makes right. That's, that's just the way it is in the world. I mean, Rome was in charge because Rome had better swords than everybody else. You know? But, he, but Jesus says, blessed are the, are the meek. Um, it's, if, uh, if you're familiar with when, when a man named Paul, the first ever uh, Christian missionary, he wrote a bunch of letters to churches, and in one of those... Um, in the, Gal- the Church of the Galatia, he wrote about something called the fruit of the Spirit, which if you were on retreat, you have, we have a wonderful campfire song of that. Um, and this word that is translated meek is uh, of the same root as gentleness, which is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, there's actually an Aramaic word, which is probably what Jesus would have said, which means one who cannot retaliate. Not one who does not one who cannot. And if you're a Jewish peasant farmer and a Roman centurion tells you to do something and you don't want to do it, I mean, you, you don't have a choice. You cannot retaliate. So here's the thing about that. They're Jewish peasant farmers. They don't own the land. Caesar owns the land. They're basically sharecroppers. They get to live on the land by paying like 70% of what they're uh, of what they're harvesting. But what's the promise? That they will inherit what? The land that's not theirs! Isn't that awesome? I know, I'm getting excited about it. It's really cool. It's just... He, it's, oh, it's just so good. They're disadvantaged and, and they're powerless as opposed to the arrogant and oppressive Romans that were, that were lording things over them. And Jesus says, look, you guys are blessed. You are, a, 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 think, a, a, a way to think about blessed is you're well off. Because this land, it's going to be yours. Also, if you want to come back next week for a little bit of a different take on this verse, when our backbones, there we go. Talk, talk to us a little bit about creation care. Maybe God says the meek will inherit the earth because he knows they'll take care of it. Oh, yep, I'm going to leave that to my backbones to take care of next week. But, but yeah, so, so Jesus flips it on his head. You can't retaliate. You're, you're disadvantaged. You're powerless. But don't worry about it. You're going to inherit the earth. And here's the thing about inheritance. What do you do to earn an inheritance? Nothing. You outlive the person that gives it to you. That's literally all you do. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit 
earth. Ah, oh, that's good stuff. I could go on. I could go on for that one for all the time that I'm allotted for this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna move on to the next one. Y'all said. Uh, but again, if you want to talk more about that one, I'll green office afterwards. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The first one. This was y'all's number two pick. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Was this about what poor in spirit means? Okay. Anything else that jumped that caused you to pick this one? Okay. He's poor. Okay. Have you? Other Bible translations put it different ways, but have you heard any, what have you heard about this? Or is it just like, no, we just say poor in spirit even though we don't know what it means. Yeah, everybody's like, yep, pretty much about it. I've heard spiritually bankrupt. <laughs> right? Um, out of credit with God. <laughs> oh, which, by the way, you can't do that. There's no such thing. But the spiritual zeros, they have nothing going for them. They feel far from God. God's not for me. Why do they feel that way? Because people have told them that. The religious people of their day have told them that. Aren't you glad we don't do that anymore? <laughs> but notice, and, and just please notice this, that's an is- it's not a for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven when they die. It is right now. Okay? The kingdom of heaven has arrived. The thing Jesus says before he says that is repent for the kingdom of heaven has arrived. And a great way of thinking about the word repent is it means change the way you think and act. Change the way you think and act. And the fascinating part about that is Jesus can say that to the religious leaders of his day and to these people means something completely different, but it's impactful for both of them. Because to the religious leaders of his day, it's like, it's changed the way you think and act because y'all about to find out that what you think it is is not what it is because you can't see me, but now you can. Here I am. <laughs> and for the, for the, the poor and the, and the powerless and the, and the meek and the poor in spirit, he's like, y'all got to change the way you're thinking as if you're not welcome as if God doesn't want anything to do with you, as if you're out of credit with God. Y'all, that doesn't work. There's no such thing as out of credit with God. You're not, a, you're not a spiritual zero. So what's fascinating for me to think about with this is the poor in spirit, when they heard this, were like, dude, yeah, this guy was worth coming out to listen to. Hope he's going to feed us later. That's another sermon. You have to show up for that one. But, but any, any Jewish religious leaders that are there are like, hold up. I'm not sure how I feel about this. And then I guarantee you when Jesus gets to blessed are the meek, that's when the Jewish religious leaders are like, nope, we out. So the poor in spirit are the folks who have nothing going for them and have been told that because they have nothing going for them, they are nothing. And there's a difference in that. Okay, you could have nothing going for you right now. It hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. You know, it, it might be that midterms are about to kick your tail. Okay, you're, you're in an argument with the person you're dating. 
and things are not good with mom and dad, and, and your roommate's a complete lunatic. I, I don't know. You may have nothing going for you. That does not mean you are nothing. Okay, so please just hear that. All right, y'all number three pick. I got to admit, this one surprised me. I was not expecting this one to be in the top three. It's the last one, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Why that one? I, I'm, that one, I, I was really surprised that, that that one made the top three. Okay. 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 For me, it's one of the hardest picks to cut. Like, even when I'm going, like, when I have people going against me, like, actively pushing against me, that that's when I'm blessed. And, and like, I don't, I don't like to be honest. Okay. It's my least favorite. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, again, I want to point out that the, the chosen botched this because they have Jesus saying, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. And that is not what the scripture says. The reward is great in heaven. And again, remember, heaven is where heaven and earth meet. Okay. What's up, Brenton? Hey. I didn't know if there was something wrong with the tech. With, the, my, my mic or something. Okay, so. It bothers me a lot because it very much sounds like if you're not dealing with the struggles, you're not getting rewarded. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. All right. Americans complain about, okay, Americans who are Christians complain about being persecuted just because somebody disagrees with them. Shut up! <laughs> that is not persecution. Okay, that is not persecution. Just because somebody disagrees with you. Okay, now, my good friend, uh, my good friend Solomon, whose, whose wife, uh, Laura, was one of our retreat speakers. Um, Solomon um, looks at this, or at one time did, maybe, maybe he's changed his interpretation of it. And talks about, well, if we're not being actively opposed, are we doing enough? If you're familiar with the book of Acts, which is the book that comes right after um, the, the gospel, Jesus' time on earth, where Jesus' closest followers, what they do after Jesus leaves. How often do that, does, does it record them having a great day where nobody got mad at them? <laughs> Never! Okay, and it talks about that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's talking Hebrew scriptures. How often do you read things about Jeremiah, whose nickname is the weeping prophet, him having a good day? It doesn't happen. You know why? Because they were God's microphones. God told them to say something, and they said it. Yeah, go. <laughs> this rhetoric 
justify a lot of things, mm-hmm. like even not holy wars, but wars that you use a crutch of Christianity, same with settlerism and right. Has happened because because the, because yes I've I've been reviled and persecuted and uttered all kinds of evil against and had and had all sorts of utter had all sorts of loop evil uttered against me. Here's what I want to point out. This is so important. No, oh, it's it's two different lines. On whose account? And who's talking? Okay, so if you get persecuted for acting like Jesus, that's what you're supposed to be doing. If you're not acting like Jesus and you get persecuted, that's your own dang fault. Okay, and here's the thing about that. You know what Jesus did with people who had been persecuted and who were being marginalized or being oppressed? He took care of them. And he said, come on in. When his own followers tried to keep children away from him, he was like, move, dummy. The children of heaven belongs to them. Okay? When, when Gentiles came to him for healing, he did it. When an unclean woman touched his garment, and she was unclean because she had a bleeding disorder, so by their rules, she was unclean. He calls her daughter, and he tells her her faith has made her well. Okay? So yes, this gets misused all the time, primarily because we don't really do what Jesus tells us to do. The because of me is super important because it makes it clear that the Sermon on the Mount isn't just a call to moral conduct, but it's grounded in the authority, and hear this, the radical demands of Jesus. If you want to know more about that, Come next week for the backbones, but also come the week after that when we look at where Jesus says, you've heard this, you've heard this expectation, here's mine. Because that's what we're going to look at um, in two weeks. And again, your reward is great in heaven. It's already here. Okay? Don't think that Jesus is trying to give us This list of virtues, you should be poor in spirit, you should mourn, you should whatever. Jesus has never been interested in just informing his followers. He wants to transform his followers. Which is why oftentimes I have us thinking about a question. Because questions are transformative, they're not necessarily informative. So maybe right now you're like, okay, Donnie, this is really cool, but like, what do I do with this? Like, what what am I supposed to do with this if you... It's not about becoming these people. It's about seeing the kingdom of heaven in them. Okay, don't try to get yourself on this list, especially not with some false humility of, oh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm poor in spirit because of this. Don't, don't, don't be that person. You know, don't, don't be self-deprecating and, well, you know, I'm just trying to be pure in heart, but things are really, no, don't do that. Now, that doesn't mean that trying to be merciful and hungering and thirsting for righteousness and, and trying to make peace. Those are good things. But this is not about more rules to follow. This is about trusting Jesus and what He says. 
okay, which is a whole lot easier to do in the first 12 verses of the Sermon on the Mount than it is in the rest of them, I'm just telling you, because buckle up, it is coming in a couple weeks. See, in the Beatitudes, we see Jesus making the kingdom of heaven available to the least likely people. The people who have been told, you have nothing, therefore you are nothing. We see it made available to them, not because of their circumstances. Don't be really clear. This isn't a matter of, oh, I need to go out and try to be a peacemaker one time, so I'll be called a son of God. It's not about that. They're not... They're not, they don't have a place in the kingdom of heaven because of their circumstances. They have a place in the kingdom of heaven because in all of their circumstances, they have chosen to rely on Jesus. These are people who rely on Jesus. Often it's because they have nothing else to rely on. They rely on Jesus. Do I? If you're new, I like questions. I like first-person questions because it's way more transformative for you to ask yourself a question. Do I rely on Jesus? And we're like, oh, yeah, Donnie, when I'm feeling poor in spirit, I absolutely, okay, cool. What about when you're on top of the world? You still rely on Jesus or is then it's like, I'm fine? And what about the times in the middle? What about that? Because here's the thing, you're relying on that chair right now that you're sitting in. Okay? Regardless of what kind of a day you've had, you sit in a chair and you rely on it. Now, if it's been a really awful day, you may be like, get to cave in on any second because it's just not one of those days. And I get that. But when you really rely on something, it's because you trust it enough all the time. Is that how we feel about Jesus? Even when our cell phone rings and we're just like, dang it, it's okay. Um, mine would have, would have rung earlier had it not been on vibrate. Yikes, that would have been awkward. Church I used to go to, a guy's rang while he was praying for communion. <laughs> that was so funny. Um, do I rely on Jesus? I cannot answer that question for you. Okay? And I will tell you, if you're really relying on Jesus... Honestly, expect some reviling, maybe even some persecution, and all sorts of evil being uttered against you. Because the people that have relied on God and relied on Jesus all throughout the history of the Scriptures, stuff gets thrown at them. It does. But for every single one of those people, their reward was great in heaven, at that very time. Relying on Jesus makes sense when things are tough. Oftentimes we forget about it when things are going super well. Then that's not really relying on him. Okay? That's using him as a safety net. And he's got way more authority and way more to call us to than to just, all right, when you mess up, I'll be here. So let's rely on him. I, I promise you, life will be better if you will. 
it will also at times be harder. At times it will be much easier, but it will be better all the time. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we rely on Jesus. Let's pray, y'all. God, thank you that you flip things upside down. Thank you that, that the world's standards are not your standards. Uh, thank you for... <laughs> Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for, for showing us um, your way, which is the way. Um, Help us trust in you, God. Help us trust. Um, <laughs> help us trust your vision. Help us trust your promises. Help us know that. Help us trust that you know what you're talking about. In a world that tells us the only thing we can rely on in ourselves is ourselves. And many times we counter that by talking about our friends and family that we can rely on. Remind us that you're the one we can always rely on. And yes, you put good people in our lives for sure. And we're thankful for them, God. But remind us that we need to rely on you. That, that Jesus, you're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. And because of that, we should rely on you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.